Welcome to Tea with Culture. I'm Hin Mazena, and my guest in this episode is Michelle Facey from Kennington Bioscope, who programs regular screenings of rare silent films with live music at the Cinema Museum in London. Despite my many visits to London, I had never been to the Cinema Museum, but that changed in October when I went to a screening presented by Kennington Bioscope, organized by Michelle, of the film Dawson City, Frozen Time, directed by Bill Morrison. The film unravels the true story of a long-lost collection of more than 500 nitrate film prints from the early 1900s. Located just south of the Arctic Circle, Dawson City was settled in 1896 and became the centre of the Canadian gold rush that brought hundreds of thousands of prospectors to the area. It was also the final stop for a film distribution chain that sent prints and newsreels which were never returned. The film collection was discovered in 1978 when a bulldozer working its way through a parking lot dug up a horde of film cans. Bill Morrison combines these rare silent films and newsreels with archival footage, interviews and historical photographs. It's a beautiful and magical film and one you should seek out if you can. It was a two-year endeavour for Michelle to get the film to screen at the Cinema Museum and on 35mm no less, plus a couple of the actual silent films that were found. The sold-out event was quite a special evening and one of my favourite nights at a cinema this year. I sat with Michelle a couple of days after the screening to have a conversation about that night and the importance of a place like the Cinema Museum and to know more about Kennington Bioscope. Here's our conversation. The Kennington Bioscope is a group of silent film enthusiasts, collectors, historians and uh, we put on regular silent film events at the Cinema Museum in South London in Kennington, hence the Kennington Bioscope. Uh, we put on events through the year, uh, on every three weeks, in an evening event um, with a break for the summer, uh, but we also mount weekend festivals and one-day festivals, usually um, tailored to a specific theme. So we've had, this year, we've had a silent railway day, so all films, silent films, themed with the appearance of trains. Um, and uh, we had a silent Western day last year. Uh, we have a silent comedy weekend or a silent comedy day if we can't accommodate a weekend. And we also, for the last four years, have had a straight-up silent film weekend. Um, so we show all different kind of things in that. Um, feature films, all with live accompaniment. We're very, very lucky. We get to enjoy, you know, a multitude of fantastic musicians who you know, appear at festivals and all around the world. Neil Brand, John Sweeney, Stephen Horn, Lillian Henley, Cyrus Gabrish, Costas Fotopoulos. Um, we're very, very lucky. Meg Morley. We're very, very, very lucky. Um, and also we're extra lucky to be able to work in association with Kevin Brownlow um, he has shared his films with us and we show prints from his collection on all the themes because he's got all the good stuff. So maybe can you tell us a bit more about Kevin Brownlow because you know uh, from the United Arab Emirates not necessarily a name that will be commonly known but I know he's a big big name in London and in the silent film world and I heard him speak the other night after the screening of Dawson City at Frozen Time and it was super amazing to listen to him in person and you know ask uh, uh, questions and you know share information with us so yeah maybe you can just give us a for the listeners a little bit of information about him. Yeah sure um, Kevin Brownlow who celebrated his 80th birthday this year 
uh, has been an avid film collector and enthusiast since about the age of 14, 15 years old. Um, he went to a boarding school as a child where they had once a month uh, a silent film show um, and uh, as part of their treat, uh, as a treat for them. And he was really fascinated by it and he went on to become a, a collector of the home movie format, 9.5mm films, um, Pathé films, and he would um, ask the Pathé library for what titles they had available and he would swap and you know send things back and that's how he came across a little thing called Napoleon Abelgonce's Napoleon this is where he started to discover and recover that film which has been you know a life's work um, and has culminated in the last few years in the digital uh, restoration and release of the film on a BFI Blu-ray and DVD um, it's had multiple screenings at big concert halls in fact I've been to two of uh, the screenings of that in right where we are here the Royal Festival Hall on the South Bank in London um, with live orchestra with Carl Davis conducting the orchestra and uh, the film is you know a, a sort of miracle of uh, filmmaking is long it's five hours um, when you come to a screening of it you know it's a whole day event really um, and there's a fantastic triptych scene at the end where the, the, the film goes over onto three screens and it's really quite something to behold so Kevin has done tremendous work um, putting that, assembling that film back together and bringing it back to people um, it was made in 1927 he was, was able to meet Abel Gantz the film's director when Kevin was a schoolboy, um, the National Film Theatre, um, what is now the BF, known as the BFI, um, they uh, Abel Gantz turned up here because it's just next door to where we are right now, and uh, he turned up there one day, and um, somebody recognised him and knew immediately that Kevin would want to know. Rung his mother. His mother made some excuse to the school. They released him, and he rushed down to the National Film Theatre and met with Abel Gantz as a teenager. And they, you know, developed a relationship. So it's quite an amazing story, really. And Kevin is absolutely full of amazing stories because um, in the 90s he became an editor, film editor by trade. But as um, a silent film enthusiast, he in the 1960s was canny enough to realise that the, the personnel of the silent film world were still around at that time. They were getting on in years, uh, but had amazing stories to tell about the early days of film and about characters and films that you know we are famous to us now or would have been lost to us now if he hadn't uh, spoken with them. Um, and he produced a very influential book called The Parades Gone By, which has just celebrated its 50th anniversary at the Pordenone Film Festival. Kevin, which is just come, which we've just come back from, uh, what day are we now? Yeah, this week we came back this week from. Um, he had a strand in that festival celebrating the parade, the 50th anniversary of the parades gone by. So he selected certain films that were featured in the book and screened them um, at Pordenone with live music. Um, he's also a filmmaker, so he's made his own films, Win Stanley and It Happened Here, which, you know, they're, they're 
amazing stories to tell about them as well, but perhaps for another time. No, I mean, I watched Napoleon, but at the BFI, so I missed out on attending the screenings at the uh, Royal Festival Hall, and yeah, it's a magnificent piece of film, and to know and see, you know, Kevin Brownlow, the person behind, you know, the dedication, uh, making this happen, like, so I I was really happy, it was like a, a... a thrill to be able to, you know, hear and uh, see him in person, um, and and in t- terms of kind of the world of silent film and the events and the sorry and the screenings that you you host, where do you find the films? How do you you know kind of get hold of them? How do you uh, how far ahead do you start planning? Because it it also seems like I know how niche is it in a city like London. So I'm also interested to know like what what kind of audience turn up at these events. Okay, well, we have quite a dedicated audience. I think there's been, I would say, a proliferation of interest in silent film or a resurgence of interest in it. It's such a fascinating period um, of film history. I mean, it's a third of film history, and yet it's been neglected for some time um, in some ways. Um, So, you know, for instance, the Kennington Bioscope starting up uh, as it did in 2013... Um, with regular events um, and also a London silent film meetup group which I joined in 2013 as well as starting to attend the Kennington Bioscope from its inception uh, and I attended every single event in the first year and it was every two weeks at that point so I felt like I was there all the time which was great and it was an education in itself to be able to see silent films so regularly no, no one else does that um, not even in London you know we the Kennedy Bioscope is really known now for, for such regular events and for its film sourcing. Um, as, we, as I said, you know, we are very lucky to enjoy the patronage of Kevin Brownlow. And, you know, really it's, it works both ways because it's been, you know, a thrill for us to be able to um, have a co-collaborator um, like Kevin but it's also I think really nice for him to be able to show films from his collection to know that he's got somewhere that we can talk about showing for his films like this for instance this Wednesday evening coming we've got another evening with Kevin Brownlow one of our popular probably annual um, events which is a special evening of the 9.5 millimeter film gauge films from his collection of those films the home movie viewing gauge where the sprocket holes go up the middle of the film instead of the, out, of the ed, outside edges. Um, and quite a few titles, silent film titles, only survived on that 9.5mm home viewing um, range, um, often because they were issued by Pathé. So if there was an, it's an American film, it may have been given a different title, and, of course, it has French subtitles. Um, so we have had instances where Kevin's uh, been reading live the translation of the French while the film's running and the music's <laughs> and musical accompaniment's going. So it's you know it's a it really is kind of like guerrilla film watching. It's you know it's all happening. Um, and uh, uh, so this Wednesday he we're going to be showing a film called The Chronicles of the Grey House, which is a German film from the 1920s, and. Um, in fact, we were having a meeting here uh, a couple of months ago, uh, soon after Kevin's 80th birthday celebrations, which the BFI had been involved in. Um, they held a day of his his own personal films that he'd made. Uh, they showed Win Stanley, and they showed It Happened Here. That's been released on a new digital uh, restoration, 
BFI DVD. Um, and when in the wonderful panel discussion that accompanied Win Stanley, uh, which was just one of the best things I've ever been to, it was just fantastic. It was all personnel from the film in the audience, people that had appeared in the film as children and the cinematographer who Kevin hadn't seen since the 1970s and you know it was just amazing but he he mentioned a film that had influenced the look of Win Stanley which is set in the 18th century in in Britain and it was a film called The Chronicles of the Grey House so when we had our meeting here a planning meeting and uh, we were talking about what films he would have for his 9.5 evening I said Kevin you know that film you mentioned in the panel, The Chronicles of the Grey House? He said, I said yes, I said, yes. I said, do you have it? Oh, yes, I've got it on 9.5. You know, and I leave fell out of my chair. I said, well, can we have that for our 9.5 evening? I'd absolutely love to see it. So we're going to be showing that. So, you know, sometimes um, you just don't know till you ask what he's got. I mean, there was another occasion. The first film, well, the second film that I programmed for the Kennington Bioscope was The Man Who Laughs um, uh, with Conrad Veidt from the Victor Hugo novel um, and uh, directed by Paul Lenny. Um, I had a bit of a fascination, or still have, with Conrad Veidt and uh, I was in a venue with Kevin and we were chatting and, and I just asked him if he, if he had the film and it turned out, oh yes, I've got it on 16mm and John Sweeney and I joked recently that, that, would, that would be on Kevin's grave, gravestone. Yes, I've got it on 16mm. <laughs> So it just sounds like there's a treasure trove of films with Kevin, and uh, and that sounds amazing that he's generous to share this and with the community and people in London, and that there is an audience for this. and And I just feel I think a lot of it is also quite historical, right? So it's not just oh you're watching a movie for entertainment; it's also a learning, a discovery, uh, uh, and yeah, kind of digging through history from different perspectives and uh, and minds and eyes right so it's it's really great and i mean and the venue itself appears like really special i was lucky enough to have gone because of an event you organized which took i think a couple of years uh, to have together and i was so happy to be there and that was for dawson city frozen time which was screened on 35 millimeter and uh, um and and when I walked in, I thought, this is such a beautiful venue. So, A, it was my first time at the Cinema Museum. And I walked in and I looked around and like, oh, my God, this place, A, looks super adorable. And and it, a few friends in London told me yeah, it's also a secret kind of venue for Londoners as well. Like, not many people know about it. And then when I was told, go upstairs, that's where the film screening is. And I walked in, I'm like, oh, my God, what is this beautiful space? So, yeah, can you, again, maybe just give us a bit of a, a description, again, for listeners or from your perspective, what... Like uh, you know, what does the cinema museum mean to you and to the city of London and the the, c- the cinema screening space itself? Hey, absolutely. Um, the cinema museum was founded over 20 years ago by Ronald Grant and Martin Humphreys. Um, Ronald Grant has a fantastic archive of film stills, um, and but also cin- uh, f- cinema and film memorabilia. Um, but not only memorabilia, the fixtures and fittings from cinemas. He was a projectionist as a young man in Aberdeenshire, and uh, when the cinema closed down, he went and got some of the fixtures and fittings from the place that were being ripped out before they were destroyed, and he started to accrue uh, fixtures and fittings from other cinemas. So there are rooms there, Full of you know lighting fixtures, cinema clocks, ashtrays, 
there's a ton of projectors, you know, big projectors and um, all kinds of objects there. Um, cinema carpet, you know, sections of carpet. And I've been to several exhibitions in towns where I've seen, uh, like Enfield and St Albans, where I've seen pieces from the Cinema Museum collection, uh, cinema uh, usher outfits, you know, all the, the workers' outfits as well. They had a little exhibition there a couple of years ago of the uh, cinema uniforms, not outfits, uniforms. Um, and it, they moved 20 years ago the collection into what was part of the Lambeth Workhouse, a place called the Master's House, in Kennington um, and it was owned by the NHS by the South London and Maudsley Trust um, and they found a you know, good large home for their large collection which expanded more over time um, and they started to ha- hold regular f- events there as well to, to raise money um, for to pay their rent and the all the other costs that they would need to get money for. Um, and there's no actual staff there. It's all run by volunteers. Um, so, and it gets no funding whatsoever, nothing, not a penny. Um, and so they have to hold, they hold events. And I started going along 2011. I'd looked at the website before and it, it wasn't open like a regular museum. There weren't opening times. And I thought, how do you get into this place? How do you access it? And then eventually, you know, I looked at the events page and saw something I wanted to go, to, go along to, an afternoon of films from the 1930s, one particularly starring a British star called Jesse Matthews, a film called Evergreen. And it also advertised a, a, a supporting programme. And I thought, well, this sounds wonderful. So I finally went along and really enjoyed the afternoon you know enjoyed the building that the main room like Hind was saying like you were saying um is you know a vast space um it was the chapel of the workhouse uh, and it's a huge vaulted ceiling with beams um and you know just an enormous space um and also another thing to mention about the cinema museum or the Lambeth Workhouse is that Cha- Charlie Chaplin actually went there as a child so it has that Kennington Chaplin collect- connection and it has memorabilia there and posters and um, there's been a, a campaign to uh, help to save the museum because it was sold recently by the NHS to a developer but supposedly a friendly developer called Anthology who intend to incorporate the museum into their plans for the land around um, and uh, the Chaplin family very kindly have been very supportive of the campaign and the granddaughter of Charlie Chaplin, Laura was at the museum last month um, and she was quite moved by being where her granddad was as a child admitted and found refuge as a child um, with his mum and brother um, and I've been to various chaplain events there, um, and but you know there's all manner of film groups that that use the space. I mean, the thing that I say about the cinema museum is that I mean it's a mile and a half away from the BFI. So if the BFI is the cinephile's temple, then I think of the cinema museum as its as the cinephile's community centre, because there is you know as you were saying earlier 
you know you, you got you felt a, a magical kind of feeling you know a, a kindred kind of spirit feeling a, a sense of community on Wednesday Thursday night when you came to the Dawson City event and, and Bill Morrison the filmmaker himself was impressed by the you know attentiveness of the audience you know and the community feel there and that's the thing I mean it's I mean, I started going along just as a, an audience goer, but over time, you know, my confidence grew, my knowledge grew, just from attending events, um, until I made a humble suggestion to the Kennington Bioscope group and said, "Could we, you know, would you please show Ernst Lubitsch's film The Doll?" And I would, could I introduce it? And they said I could do that, and and I did that, and then it kind of spiralled from there. Really, within a few months, I was. They asked me to join the group properly and then I've been programming films ever since and presenting things and growing in confidence and I can't think of anywhere else that I could have done that really. You know, it's kind of nurtured me, the place, you know, and um, uh, it's very valuable to people, I think, for their mental health. You know, there's, you know, different groups that meet there, community groups, all kinds of diverse groups. They're very welcoming to the trans community and to, they have a regular... Um, uh, the Veto project put on evenings there, uh, gay and lesbian groups, um, and you have different strands of films there. So there's somebody that curates uh, Kennington noirs, so evenings of you know noir films, Kennington westerns, pre-code films, uh, French Sundays, spell S-U-N-D-E-A-A-E-S Sundays, French Sundays on Sunday afternoons, of course. Um, all kinds of things so it's, it's such a valuable space and I, I I'm always a champion of these places unfortunately not many in Dubai so I'm always impressed and jealous when I come to a city like London where I find spaces like this where yes a they're super important for a community they nurture your soul they nurture your mind and I think also yeah once in a while it'll spark something to an individual who will t you know fulfill a dream because they've watched something and they might want to be a filmmaker or they've seen an event and they want to do what that person on stage is doing so be it programming or curating and 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 learning learning more about what is being presented so so I mean may this space stay and I hope the new developer sticks to you know it's word of keeping the museum and and protecting and saving it because I know over the past few years it's had kind of there has been a threat of it going and there's you know so I don't know I mean again based on the night I was there like it sounded like you know knock on wood like they seem to be in an okay space but they're not 100 percent you know in the clear yet right like till yeah. i think something is signed no no we're, you know we're not going to be able to as ronald says he won't go into his box until he knows the place is safe you yeah. know and the collections are safe because the result if they don't get ownership of that building or a seriously long lease you know a seriously long lease like 100 years or 200 year lease then the, they won't be able to stay there and there isn't another space that, could, that they could go into and the collections would all have to be sold and uh, that would be the end of it. You know, okay, well, I've said that, so... Um, no, let, let's, not, let's not think about that no, yet. No, exactly, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, so it's important yeah. to keep signing and sharing the petition. It's got to over 40,000 okay. signatures now. So if, you know, if you can go onto the Cinema, Web, Cinema Museum website and you can find the link for the petition and, you know, please sign it and leave a comment or you know have a donation you don't have to do that at all just signing it is great uh, and that will all help and um, you know and also 
I was going to mention earlier, we were talking about the prints and things and where they come from. You know, we're also lucky enough to associate with the BFI. Obviously, not all our prints come from Kevin. I made it sound like everything comes from Kevin. We're very, very lucky to get a lot of stuff from Kevin, but we do get prints from other places. We, uh, you know, BFI is a good, a very good source. Obviously, we're ideally placed to be able to go to Stephen Street to the BFI viewing um, rooms and to be able to watch films from the collection when you order them to. To, to see what's there and I've done that several times now which you know a process that seemed so mysterious to me when the you know guys would talk about oh I went to view films at the BFI and I think how did they how did they do that you know and eventually I got you know down there with one of them and they showed me how to thread the steam back and you know and to, to watch stuff on there and that was magic I mean it's to be able to control the film yourself backwards and forwards and uh, to stop it and look at an image and, and then to imagine it you know on that small screen that you watch it on in the to imagine it in, in the space of the cinema museum so I managed to do that twice this year with two um, uh, films by Michael Curtiz the director of later Casablanca Oscar winning Casablanca and he had a very prolific silent film career uh, this Hungarian director um, working in Germany and um, France as well and the UK so his very very final silent film in Europe before he left and joined Warner Brothers um, was a film called The um, Der Golden Schmetterling The Golden Butterfly and it was actually shot the location work was done in London, London's West End and Cambridge um, and the interior scenes were done in studios in Berlin and it starred a French dancer who he was having an affair with called Lily Demeter who later went on to marry Errol Flynn who of course starred in Michael Curtiz's films and uh, you know the Errol Flynn uh, uh, Robin Hood that's what I'm trying to say the Robin Hood film uh, that Curtiz made so it all connects up in the end but he made three films with this French star Lily Demeter and I showed the the BFI have two the prints of the final two so Fiaca number 13, Cab number 13. So I showed that in June with Stephen Horn playing. Um, and I did you know, research about Lily and talked about her in my introduction. And then uh, we showed the uh, Golden Butterfly as the finale film of our Kennington Bioscope silent film weekend. Um, so, you know, it was really exciting to be able to bring that to people. And, and you know, a film that was shot in London by Marco Curtis. So those kind of, you know, discoveries, to me they're discoveries and it's a film that's not available you know on dvd or anything i mean it's not out there at all um you know so many people hadn't seen it um it's just a tremendous thrill really to show you know uh, the director of casablanca casablanca making a film you know shooting film inside the london coliseum on st martin's lane and spectacular scenes in there and and to also feature another star in the film carl carl uh, kurt bois um, who, who starred in, who also featured in Casablanca. So I talked about him on the evening as well. So, you know, yeah, we definitely enjoy getting prints from the BFI, but we also can associate with our friends at Southwest Silence, and, and we together we paid for a print to come from the Museum of Turin, um, a film called Il Fuoco from the about 1919 with a Italian diva star Pina Minachelli. Um, and sometimes we use DVDs. Uh, Amran Vance from the group has, um, who sorts out the licensing for a lot of the films for us, has uh, quite a, you know a good silent film collection. So uh, we use DVD if we have to. 
Um, you know, we do like to show real film, though. It's important to us. Yeah, I mean, and may this tradition continue, and it's and and I hope the knowledge is transferred so that you know, kind of, other people, more people, and younger people can carry do carry on doing this. And in terms of audience, like, what is there? Is it is like? Is there a, a range of age groups that are interested in this? Are you tapping into the younger community? Are the millennials interested in coming to these <laughs> screenings? I, they are slightly tougher to tap, yeah. But I think, you know, we do notice when we get younger people along. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm in my 40s, but even, you know, in, in the silent film world, I'm fairly young <laughs> uh, amongst my, some of my colleagues. But, um, uh, yeah, there do, some younger people do come along and there are some young enthusiasts. Um, uh, but, you know, we do get quite a regular audience. Um, but, there, you know, there are still faces that I don't recognise. Yeah. But um, uh, so we had about 100 people along on Wednesday. Um, uh, oh, not Wednesday. Thursday for uh, Dawson City. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, we, we enjoy quite good numbers. Yeah. Uh, and how can um, so people who've not been to Kennington Bioscope screenings or the Cinema Museum how can they find you and I'm definitely going to spread the word and uh, and I think anyone listening to this if you live in London do look up Cinema Museum and Kennington Bioscope if you're traveling to London add it on your kind of visit uh, you know space, uh, places to visit even more so if you are interested in cinema it's super important uh, it's, it doesn't appear like an all kind of sexy top things to do you know this weekend <laughs> but it should be uh, but yeah if you can maybe uh, tell listeners like where to find you on social media and the website and, and I'll make sure I put it in the description as well well I have to say that we, we did appear as number 8 of the top 10 things to do in Time Out's film section a few weekends ago when it was our silent film weekend at the beginning of September I sound corrected <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to step in. And also the Cinema Museum was voted uh, the Time Out London's most loved culture spot this year again. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of love out there for the Cinema Museum and I think that the campaign actually has raised its profile because as you say it's slightly hidden away and it's only a mile and a half from the BFI, you know, and yet people kind of don't know about it. Um, so I do my absolute best with Twitter. Um, I run the Ken, at Ken Bioscope Twitter page for our events. Um, but I will also flag up on there you know, other events. There's a wonderful website called Silent London, which is run by Pamela Hutchinson, uh, the journalist Pamela Hutchinson. And she will highlight things on her blog that are coming up that we need to know about. And also our friends from Silent Film Calendar do a one, silentfilmcalendar.com. Uh, and they are at Silent Film Calendar on Twitter. They uh, do a sterling job of cataloguing um, events that are coming up all over the country. So they do it by region. So you just go on their website and you can see where there's silent film happening anywhere near where you are or where you may be visiting in Britain, uh, which is absolutely brilliant. Uh, and Twitter you know, is just so incredibly useful, such a great tool for spreading the word about things and flagging things up to people um, and you know yeah look at the cinema museum website for our events and their events um, so yeah please come along absolutely 
I'll, I promise to keep spreading the word every opportunity that comes up and uh, I'm so glad we had this conversation Michelle I'm so glad I was able to come to your screening and visit the cinema museum and uh, it'll be first of hopefully many visits any time I'm in London so thank you so much Michelle thank you Hind it was you know it's a real pleasure to meet you and I'm so pleased you had a lovely time the other evening it was very special I'm so glad you were there and you could make it and I do hope you make it another time thank you thank you for listening Please follow and subscribe to Tea with Culture on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Al-Rami. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Till next time.